You're now listening to the Talented 10th Podcast brought to you by Mosaic Management and Consulting. To learn more about Mosaic Management and Consulting, go to bshare.com slash get started. Uh, when I began this fall season, uh, one topic I said I would get to is LeBron James and the presidency of Barack Obama. Oddly enough, uh, they have a conversation that I think everyone should listen to on HBO Max uh, that is recorded uh, preceding the election that I think is, in, is important. But I wanted to highlight LeBron James. And, and one of the questions I wanted to answer is that I've, I've been asked, you know, LeBron has this crazy fan base that supports him at every turn. And he also has this uh, set of critics uh, that sometimes irrationally, most times irrationally, but sometimes strongly criticize him uh, when he needs to be criticized. Um, I'm here to kind of, I want to kind of talk about why I think even if you're neutral uh, thus far on LeBron, you should probably lean more his way. Why I think it, it's bigger than basketball. I know the mantra more than an athlete. Um, but I have, I admire LeBron James in a, in a multitude of ways. And uh, I want to highlight three of them on this episode that have nothing to do with basketball. I can talk about how great LeBron is based solely on basketball, but it's beyond it that makes him a goat in my eyes and certainly someone who you have to mention in the same conversation with Jordan, even if you don't agree that he's the greatest of all time. Um, I won't get off on the tangent, but I think that's what teased me off the most. with those who choose Jordan as the greatest of all time. Some who choose great, uh, Jordan as the greatest of all time act like there's no way LeBron should be in the conversation. Uh, and that's when you lose me. You can choose someone as the greatest of all time without making it seem like a guy of the stature and accomplishments of LeBron James. It's absurd to even mention it. Uh, so I could go through all of that. I could go through the championships, the MVPs won, the MVPs he should have won, uh, the teams he's led, the quickness with which he wins championships as he got into the last two-thirds of his career, won a championship within two years in Miami, within two years of Cleveland, within two years of of being with the Lakers. Uh He's been a primary scorer, a facilitator, primary defender, team kind of uh, team defense guy like you would think of a safety in football. Uh, He's done a lot of things. He's done a lot of things on the court. Um, But what makes you an icon has to go beyond uh, your, your chosen craft. Um, I believe very strongly 
that the greatest of greats, no matter if you're at the stature of a LeBron James or, or being the LeBron James of the life you live, it has to be translatable in multiple areas. Being great at one thing, one aspect of your life is hard enough. It's rare enough. But the greatest of greats are able to translate and transfer the same qualities that make them great in their craft to other areas in their life. And, and I think LeBron did that. The, the arc of his story is something that resonates with me. I was talking to uh, a friend of mine, Tremaine, last night, and and, and was kind of talking about, you know, I, I didn't, being able to uh, create that mental, uh, that mental focus. We were talking about philosophies, he's a coach. And I have philosophies and we often throw, bounce them off of each other and listen to each other's philosophy. And, 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 and I was talking to him and he was talking to me about how important it is to have a philosophy as a coach and that it has to be consistent. Uh, and it has to be built on a strong foundation. You gotta build teachers within that culture, that system, that philosophy because you can't teach every single one all the time. So you got to kind of create disciples of that philosophy and being able to create a mentality is a journey. It's a, it's a place where a lot of people don't go. And he asked me to drill down on that. And this is where I find at least a little kinship in my mind with a guy like LeBron James. And one of those three things that makes him, um, in the pantheon of, of, of people, not just basketball, not just sportsmen, Americans, you know, human icons. He had to develop the, or we were able to see, because we saw him for so long, we were able to see him develop those additional layers of mentality and controlling and manipulating the mind. And I had to learn that as well. The, the, the locked in, serious, able to buckle down, focus, Brendan, that people may know now, that is not how I was when I was younger. I've spoken about this in other episodes, but I think it's important to, to reinforce. I was kind of a happy-go-lucky, free-thinking, free-spirited young man. Uh, I was more of a mama's boy. I was more of a, a, uh, I just took the day as the day. I didn't impose my will on the day, if that makes sense. And so that first step was, and this is the example I use in talking with Tremaine, the first step was going from not being able to harness that energy, that mental focus, that, men, that mentality. You have to go from not being able to harness it, letting the day determine your mindset, and at least move to the next step, and that next step is being able to flip a switch. And I got there. 
Um, I think I got there. Uh, we always talk about, or I, I talked about uh, the year 2005 when I was 15. I would say that was kind of that step to being able to flip a switch mentally, energy-wise, focus-wise, mentality-wise. Um, and that's a huge step. And that's a step a lot of people never develop, let alone at that age. Uh, and I think LeBron did too. I think he developed that, that, that switch. And a lot of people get on to him for not having a certain killer about him. But uh, one thing I always say, you can, you can be a killer in a lot of different ways. If I were to use somewhat of a gory visual, uh, a lot of people like that in-your-face killer mentality. Probably more like a Jordan or a uh, Kobe uh, from a contemporary perspective. It's more dominant. Uh, even a Shaq a little bit. It's more dominant. It's clear. It's more. Ma it's it's masculine. Um. That's that's like. You know, shooting somebody or a missile or something. A lot more explosive, a lot more visually inclined. But there's a lot other subtle ways to be a killer, too. And I think LeBron may have killed you with poison in your coffee uh, or may have distracted you and then you turn around and it's over. But he still was a killer. He developed a switch. That next step, at least in my life, was going from a switch, and this is the example, to a board with dials where you're able to kind of control that sensitivity a little bit more. It's not just on or off. You're able to manipulate the intensity a little bit more. And a lot of people never get to that step. And I feel like it wasn't until probably I was 24 or 25, so 10 years after, that I developed that ability, that capability, that, dis that discerning control uh, of the level with which you're gonna have that energy, that mental intensity, that mindset, that mentality. And I think that's what LeBron did when he started winning championships. And I don't know if I won, quote unquote, a championship on my level in my life, but that is the, that, that's that kinship I feel to his journey. And after the board with the dials, the key is to just continuously add more to that board with more dials so you can fine tune you can, you can determine it with elevating levels of sensitivity and mental acuity what is required to succeed for whatever you're facing. So first you had a switch, then you added a dial, and now you're able to manipulate more and more. And I think that's what LeBron showed to us. He's won championships in different ways, with different teams, with different loads to carry. And he broke through. 
Um, which brings me to kind of the second piece of that. That was his journey on the court. But I think he took that off the court. I think when he started winning championships, he was a we were able to see him accept and embrace those broad shoulders, not just on the court, but off the court. I speak to how he's kept his people around. I really love the fact that the people who were there from the beginning are there with him now. The most important people in his life are the same people he knew when he was in high school. And that's all the way to his wife. There's a commitment and a reverence for realness that I think he models in a way that we don't really talk about as much. We talk about his rant, uh, uh, he, we talk about Rich and Mav and those guys being around, but we don't talk about it in the form in which it models a certain behavior. The last episode I cut was with Nile and we were part of the crew and then I have my fraternity brothers and I have my group I, uh, I grew up with, Matthew and Adam and Rex and Sadler three of the four I've seen in the last couple weeks and it's it's incredible but we don't talk about LeBron James and that modeled behavior enough and I don't raise a stink about it because I don't want to jinx people but the acceptance of those broad shoulders seeing how clutch sports with Rich has developed uh the amount of power they wield in the league right now uh, is inspiring. Uh, it's empowering. It, it matters beyond basketball. It matters from an entrepreneurial spirit, from a communal uh, perspective. Let's execute, let's build uh, confidence in each other and uh, rely on each other as we gain the requisite knowledge to succeed. And as things progress, help people be put in the positions to learn what they need to succeed. Um, truly, you know, uh, feed a man a fish, you feed him for a day and teach a man to fish, and you fed him for a lifetime, that mentality is infectious. And to see it on such a public level, Spring Hill Entertainment, Mavs in, uh, with uh, uh, with more than an athlete and all of these things from more than a vote, the shop, being involved, Spring Hill Entertainment, Space Jam 2, all these different things. You see Mav and then with, with Clutch Sports and Rich, uh, it's 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 important to see how they're triangulating a very impor important part of American culture. And I think he was patient to wait to do certain things when he had the championship and was building the cachet because he was on he was only going to be able to do that if he won championships. If he got the ultimate credibility to be able to stand in any room and, and command respect, not just for the team and his own intelligence, but because of the cachet, the undeniable nature 
or what he's accomplished. And still, people still try and uh, deny it. Uh, I mean, and it's not just LeBron. I mean, I'm a Russell Westbrook fan as well. And Russell's, you know, Russell's mentality since he entered the league, the surety of the things he wanted, the 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 willingness to express himself at all costs, uh, the mantra, why not? Why not me? Why not wear this? Why not go all out? The intensity with which he plays, the manner in which he supports his family, at least as we see, uh, and I'm 100% confident that it's genuine. Um, when I was still in sports management, we had players on that team, and they spoke highly of him then when he was 23, 24. Uh, the way he supports his wife and her businesses. He's involved in filmmaking, documentary filmmaking. Um, the, ra- the way they raise their kids. These things are important, Chris Paul. These things are important, and I think when the best player in the league is willing to model that behavior, and I'm talking about LeBron, it is a momentous decision because of all the people who want to do the same things and still do the same things are going to get an elevated eye on what they do and it's going to become in vogue to be aware knowledgeable passionate yeoman for change and the ultimate push is the push on the only guy that's in the category with him maybe outside of Kareem who was who was a cultural icon in his own right is Michael Jordan you see what he's doing, committing $100 million here, helping uh, uh, from a voter perspective and investments here. He didn't do that. He didn't do that when he was at the same point as LeBron is in his career. It wasn't, it wasn't about that for him. He wanted to focus on basketball, and that's an important thing uh, to point out in LeBron's legacy. He's taking all of those things, even when the guy that's most uh, he's most competing for the greatest of all time with didn't do it in his own career, in a far more favorable uh, set of circumstances as it relates to social media and cancel culture and how you have to move now. And LeBron's been able to navigate that for over half of his playing career in the NBA. He's navigated personal responsibility as best you can since he was 16. And frankly, his the most involved he's been politically has come in the years in which he's playing the most and winning the most. And so to carry that load off the court, that responsibility from a business perspective, that responsibility from a cultural and political perspective, while carrying the load that he carries on the court is beyond belief. It's beyond belief. And so, you know, 
I think how involved Michael Jordan is now is a contrast because it is it is easier to focus just on basketball. But when you're exceeding the cultural, communal, and political importance of uh, of a Michael Jordan, who is a billionaire now, long since retired, and has the has the commitment, I believe him, the commitment to helping our community. When you're still exceeding even what he's doing in retirement while you're playing and winning championships, I think that says a lot about, about LeBron James and the mental toughness he has, which some people try and knock him for. Knock him for. And so that, that rising tide lifts all boats is 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 LeBron personified and that's the that's the third and final thing he's made registering to vote and voting cool it's table stakes there are people who have asked me have I voted uh, that I know never even thought about politics before that wasn't easy to do right now. That wasn't to eat. That wasn't easy to do during the bubble. What the NBA players did, not just LeBron. I'm just talking about LeBron for this episode. The demands of 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 the owners uh, of the NBA teams in the league, which cascaded to baseball and NHL and WNBA doesn't get enough credit either but the demand to do so I I mean I think only I think it's safe to say given how much LeBron has campaigned on behalf of Hillary Clinton in this effort with Joe Biden that he he has traditionally supported Democrats but that's not the the NBA owners don't Owners of, of sports leagues don't. I, I mean, I just saw it's something like 20% of all of the uh, donations made to political parties by all the sports leagues, less than 20 or right at 20% go to Democrats. So that means 80% go to Republicans. To have the power to make, using that math, and knowing that the vote, the, the voting campaign and the emphasis in the NBA, in the MLB, and in the NFL would largely influence and help Democrats is important. They're not telling you who to vote for, but we see through, we see on the news who really wants you to vote, who's really not fearful of a more representative democracy who's really not fearful of what the majority of people want. We see. So that is a, that is huge. And that campaign and, and, and that awareness for three months, I think it was something like 94 days. Uh, I think if Joe Biden wins, will be in no small part to the very active, very focused effort and smartly 
uh, of athletes to seriously engage in the political process. And there's a ton of people who have been educated and who feel and understand the importance of being involved and in, and in voting and keeping people accountable, not just those who you don't want to see in office, but if, if, if someone like Joe Biden wins, the infrastructure in place to say, we're not just gonna help put you there, we're gonna hold you accountable when you're there. And look at all of the turnout from young voters and people who are concerned and more progressive in nature and uh, people of color, they put you there and you're gonna need them to retain your power in the next election. You better listen, you better deliver. I mean, these are, when you play a part in a presidential election, let alone one as important as this, to the degree with which LeBron James has and those in the NBA have and those in the sports community have in not being too cocky, not being a veneer, but actually registering people to vote, actually helping them understand how to get absentee ballots, understand the requirements for their votes to count, helping pay fines for uh, former felons uh, so that they can vote in key states like uh, Florida. This isn't a scattershot approach. They put resources into the, uh, the people who are on the ground. It's not just photo ops. They're doing all this stuff while trying to win a championship as well. Guys, I mean, this is next level stuff. This is the stuff of an, of an icon. I may circle back with my dad and my brother and we can talk the, in, the intangibles of the game from his rebounding to his passing to his scoring, his efficiency, his longevity, his durability, his uh, uh, multiplicity to his game, playing in multiple eras. I could talk about all that, but it's that plus all that I've outlined today that catapults him into iconic status. Um, in the things that matter, the things that matter too. And he's inspired me, you know, he's inspired me to get, to get back involved in sports management. That's the cause. I mean, I got out because I wanted to learn. I wanted to go to law school, business school. I wanted to, to be able to be multifaceted and to be, someone who uh, leads a holistic life that's altruistic in nature, that teaches, that guides, that protects. And I think there's gonna be a high demand for people like myself to help harness not just the icons like a LeBron James, but every player, and I'm just picking sports. Uh, but as as an agent or as someone in sports management, and a, as a representative, we have to understand that we need to be, 
and I've had this knock since I was around the first time uh, in sports management for over four years, almost five years. We have to help build more holistic men who are not just good on the court, but off the court. Not just good for themselves, but for other people as well. That's what I want to do as I ease back into the sports management side of my life. Um, it's no, I'm not leaving my, my day job. I can do both, but I want to focus on a few people. I want to focus on, like I said, holistic, uh, holistic athletes, young men who I can be a contributor to their development, uh, a protector of their brand, their future, uh, and just the overall representative of athletes with whole lives, who have holistic goals, who aren't just about the on the court, who care about things that are gonna happen in the community. Um, that's gonna be the differentiator. And, you know, I already have ideas. I know what I want that to look like over the next two to three years. Uh, I know I wanna partner with universities and public policy and in public administration. Uh, so athletes that we represent or that I represent can go and say, this is what I want to work on in my community. These are the issues I care about. I, I want to be able to focus on solutions in this area of, of American life and African-American life. So we can go to these universities and they have people dedicated to providing options and policies to promote the very things that are outlined from the athletes, from my clients. Because it is gonna be important not just to be successful and help people negotiate and have the best deal possible based on the skills they have on a basketball court. It's gonna be important to be able to facilitate the important areas of their lives as rightfully a community involvement and support becomes more important. So I wanted to cap it off with that in part because I owe that to LeBron James. I got out of the sports management business because I felt like it was all about basketball and basketball only. And I love basketball. But I wanted to be impactful on people as well. And not that, you, not that we weren't. Uh, we we definitely were. I think one of the most involved people in the NBA right now is uh, Michael Conley Jr. So it was done there, and I liked how it was done because we only had a few clients, and we gave them uh, all our attention, and that's how I want to move forward uh, in my next endeavor. But I got out because I wanted to learn how not that it wasn't there. I wanted to learn how to be a better facilitator of that life. And law school and business school and understanding uh, political affairs, understanding business at the, at the city and state level, understanding these things will help me be a better representative of holistic men who have impacts on multiple areas and all areas of their life. So for me, uh, in this season where we're talking about community citizenship, voting, I want you to vote. 
I want you to vote. I want you to check out the episode with LeBron James and Mav Carter and uh, President Barack Obama. But when November 3rd happens, whether it goes our way or not, stay engaged and, and, and keep demands high. Your energy has to be rewarded. And if it's not, there needs to be consequences. But let's stay engaged. Don't hand power over to people and then leave the room. When, when, when you help someone be the leader of the power structure, the power circle in a room, you sit down at that damn table. And that's what we as people need to do. That's what guys like LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, DeMar DeRozan, Chris Paul, all those guys and, and all the others, that's what they need to do. That's what the MBPA needs to do. That's what people in uh, college sports need to do. I see it. I see people care about a lot of things that once was too taboo to do. Shut up and dribble. No, 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 no. And we shouldn't do that in any of our professions. I don't do that at my day job. I don't just shut up and do. If I feel passionately about how something was done, I don't just shut up and go about it. People respect that. People respect that. Um, I want to end this episode with um, something I recorded back in around the George Floyd situation. Um, so it's going to sound like it was old, but because it was, but it's something I wanted to release. Uh, and I appreciate um, Pro Kid Ryan for developing the new theme music. I don't know if you hear it in the background. And he helped mix this spoken word um, that I wanted to release as well. So go vote if you haven't. Um, continue that passionate intensity following the election. And don't let people create a negative narrative for ulterior motives. Um, that's what I wanted to end with. I, I fear that sometimes we get sucked into the Skip Baylesses and all of that. They don't, they don't understand the importance of the legitimacy of a guy like LeBron James in history. They see it as pitting things together. It's just TV, whatever. But we as people got to value guys like LeBron. And it's okay. You don't have to love LeBron from a basketball perspective. And we can be fun and we can be sometimes irrational. It's no big deal. He's not a snowflake. He's been getting this for, for over 15 years. Uh... But what I would say to people is when you when you refuse to give a guy's flowers and you're too intensely irrational about what he's done, what you're actually doing is chipping away at the cachet and the ability for him to continue to get uh, more and more done with more and more support. And I feel good that most people see it in a basketball context and don't let it 
discount what he does off the field, off the court. But I know that that happens too. I know that people are able to stir up a hate for the guy that actually prevents some of the positive things for the community to have as much impact as it can. And one reason why I said I hope even if you are on the fence with him, you lean more his direction is because he doesn't need charity when it comes to his legacy. But the more we look at it in a rational context, when someone steps out on a limb and is as involved and is sitting in those rooms that some of us will never even know exist, let alone be able to sit in as well, the strength of who he is and the power of his impact, I feel comfortable with his intentions. And when I feel comfortable with someone's intentions, uh, I want to give them as much cachet, as much support as they walk into those rooms that we'll never be in as possible. And I think he's earned the right for us to not unfairly discount what he does. Like I said, I don't care as much on the basketball side, although you need to give him his damn respect. Um, just know that that craziness impacts off the court as well. And I've been very proud of him and what he's committed to for a long time. And the more and more people that can see him in the same mythology as people see Jordan, um, given where he's channeling his energy, I think we as a people will be very, very, very happy that we lined up in support as soon as we possibly could. I'll leave you with the spoken word as uh, on the tail end of this, but as always, uh, there's more to come, and I'll see you soon. Go vote. And while I'm very proud of what we've achieved together, I'm far more mindful of my own failings, knowing exactly what Lincoln meant when he said, I have been driven to my knees many times by the overwhelming conviction that I had no place else to go. The knee. The knee has always been an act that carries such significant meaning. It can show reverence and deference. It can show defeat and surrender. I choose reverence and deference. Reverence and deference to a black culture, black people, black ideals that paints who I am, who we are, and who we should continue being. It's self-love. We need to continue to cultivate that. And that self-love needs to be acknowledged by those outside of our community. We've been beaten to our knees for over 400 years. So long that when we do stand up, we appear twice as tall and twice as strong. Well, let's stand and be twice as tall, let's stand and be twice as strong, and let's channel it towards real change. Freddie Gray.
Orlando Castile, Terrence Crutcher, Alton Sterling, Jamar Clark, William Chapman, Walter Scott, Eric Harris, Tamir Rice, Eric Gardner, Michael Brown, Trayvon Martin, Rakia Boyd, Sandra Bland, George Floyd, Ahmaud Aubrey, Breonna Taylor. Sometimes, when we are exhausted, we bend to one knee. We bend to one knee to catch our breath. And believe me, after 400 years, we are certainly exhausted. We're exhausted with being patient. We're exhausted with the strategy to wait until passions cease so we talk about superficial band-aids on a near mortal wound. We're exhausted from seeing property and things being of more concern than life. We're exhausted by being told to be strong when our leaders don't have the strength to make the changes that are obvious, that are logical, that are humane, let alone those that we know are gonna need to be made, that are gonna be hard. We're exhausted, but we can't be. We can't be or feel defeated. We have to protest at times like this. We need to mentor all times before, during, and after. The fire stops raging and the people go home, and those of concern now pivot back to comfortability and blindness. Thomas Jefferson, a slave owner, who is the subject of Paradox of Liberty, the rightfully named exhibit at the National Museum of African American History and Culture. Even he stated on July 12, 1816, which is now on the fourth panel of the Jefferson Memorial. He said, I am not an advocate for frequent changes in laws and constitutions, but laws and institutions must go hand in hand with the progress of the human mind. As that becomes more developed, more enlightened, as new discoveries are made, new truths discovered and manners and opinions change, with the change of circumstances, institutions must advance also to keep pace with the times. We might as well require a man to wear still the coat which fitted him when a boy as civilized society to remain ever on the regime of their barbarous ancestors. I challenge everybody, look at, look at yourself in the mirror. We are better than our barbarous ancestors, but by how much? And if you don't think we're reflecting the progress that we know we should be should have made or in your mind we have made, if, if our institutions and laws don't reflect that, then as Jefferson said, we're still wearing the coat which fitted us as little boys and girls as we do now as adults. Let's be adults. So though Jefferson may not have meant these words to apply to African-Americans then, if he is so revered as a founding father, the author of the Declaration of Independence, the person who articulated liberty and freedom, if, if we feel that way, let's apply his words now. Let's take off the coat of our barbarous American ancestors and put on the new coat of 2020 inclusion, equality, and opportunity. What you see right now is not only a police issue. It is a healthcare issue. It is an environmental issue. It is a power representation issue. It is a voting issue. 
It is a gerrymandering issue. It is a selective prosecution issue. It's a mass incarceration issue and many, many more. It is also not all about the federal government, about state and local government. It's about what people you know, where you live, do for you and others on behalf of you. Step up and speak up because there is far more in your hands than you realize. I ask all of you of goodwill to take just one bit of the energy and focus we see right now across the country and put it in a jar and save it for the election in November. It takes far less energy to vote than it does to protest, and we should do both. I also ask people of goodwill, quit simplifying the fix. All sustainable progress over human history has come from a complex effort of strategy and tactical choices. And as I told my mentees yesterday, beware of people who try and simplify the path to change because they normally hold power and they normally want to face the most simple plan possible. It's tough work. It's complicated. It takes concentration, collaboration. It takes entertainers, movie stars. It takes lawyers, doctors. It takes economists. It takes just young people who have a passion. It takes all of us. It takes business. But more than anything, I want you to vote. I want us to organize voter registration, transportation to the polls, churches, community groups, fraternities, and friends. We got to do this. I don't want to create a community questionnaire that requires direct answers from elected officials seeking your vote. We do this in places, but we don't do it everywhere. I want policies published so that they can be scrutinized by, by scholars of all stripes. What are the unintended consequences? What are the direct benefits? Where are the funds going to be taken from? We don't just want new programs so, you, so people take away from the ones that work. We want to see an investment. We don't want to see a shell game. This is what I am going to step up and try and do between now and November and beyond. I don't care if it's all but certain who will win at the top of the ticket in your state. There are other state and local offices that will impact your policing practices and makeup that will determine how schools are run and city funds are spent. There are officials who count on your action or inaction to advance their agendas. Understand everyone's agenda. Vote for the best one that advances your interests, but also don't forget the interests of the American people, the state you live in, the city you live in. We are at a crossroads, and we have been driven down upon our knees many times because we have nowhere else to go, but let's listen when we break down to our knees and pray to our Lord. But let's believe in him and get up and do and act, vote, monitor change, and hold people accountable. 
Let's say no longer that we're okay with watching the American dream while it's still out of a reach to us. Let's put a knee on the neck of inequality. Let's show the same courage that the most powerful knee showed to us all. Against all odds and all ridicule. Let's listen. Let's vote. Let's be better. I'm hopeful because of you. If you share that hope with me, I ask you tonight for your vote. If you believe in a country where everyone gets a fair shot and everyone does their fair share and everyone plays by the same rules, then I need you to vote this November. America, I never said this journey would be easy, and I won't promise that now. Yes, our path is harder, but it leads to a better place. Yes, our road is longer, but we travel it together. We don't turn back. We leave no one behind. We pull each other up. We draw strength from our victories, and we learn from our mistakes, but we keep our eyes fixed on that distant